Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. Today we're interviewing Sarah Colomarino, former Vice President of Corporate Brand Equity and Partnerships at J&J. Jumping in, tell us a little bit about tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, and everything, and your 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 sort of history at J and J and so on. Yeah, so I had a long and wonderful career at Johnson and Johnson. Worked across multiple areas in our communications, marketing, planning areas, across pharmaceutical, medical device, consumer. And I just have left and had a wonderful position as the vice president of corporate equity, which was basically the position that oversaw the transformation of the Johnson & Johnson brand over the last five years. And brand purpose was a key part of that work. Perfect. So, so tell us about the evolution of brand purpose and its place in in, in the advertising world. Obviously, it's the it's the sort of word of the moment. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to say that I think if it, we think of it as the word of the moment, marketers are doing themselves, and they're doing, frankly, society an injustice. I think if you really look at brand purpose, you'll realize that many of your best brands and companies have always dealt from a place of what do they stand for in the world. And I think in many cases, it may have been in the past by choice. I think today, brand purpose has to happen. There's too many forces outside of a brand, outside of an organization. We all see the data about purchase intents, favorabilities, what consumers and stakeholders want from companies. And I think for brands and companies today to be successful, brand purpose has to be their foundation. For those who don't know, Sarah and I collaborated with Yerm Studios on a feature documentary for Johnson & Johnson called 5B. The film follows the nurses in the 1980s who cared for AIDS patients in the San Francisco General Hospital's Ward 5B. Sarah, can you tell us about the origins of 5B? and why Johnson & Johnson was interested in making a feature documentary. Yeah, so as far as the strategic planning piece goes, we knew that we were at a critical moment where we were transitioning the Johnson & Johnson brand for what most stakeholders knew as a baby company to really a healthcare company, and a healthcare company that really had the potential to change the trajectory of health. So that strategic fit was perfect, but it also fit with what the company had done for many years. It was a company for many years that have been dedicated to the recruitment, retention, and development of nurses. So 5B, with the nursing focus, fit beautifully. And it's a company for over 20 years that has brought out many of the most innovative focuses in the HIV treatments. So together, all of this just made 5B a perfect fit for the company. And what were Johnson & Johnson's goals with 5B and how did it relate to its brand purpose? So it was well-timed for us. We had just begun to go out more broadly and show J&J as this full healthcare company. And we did that through many of the traditional digital and linear advertising. But 
we needed something that created even a stronger emotional connection with key stakeholders. And that's where 5B came in. It was a piece of work that was so emotionally connected with stakeholders that we cared about that it helped to bring our new purpose to life in a much more visual way, in a much more connective way than advertising alone could have done. So, so talk to us a little bit about the benefits and challenges of, of, of major brands working with more traditional film and TV media to create content. You know, what, what are the challenges of moving away from the advertising, you know, commercials driven model to actually creating stuff, stuff that, you know, can be, can be viewed on commercial free streamers? Yeah. So I've done a, a couple of pieces of brand sponsored films, 5B1, another one, Unseen Enemy, a, a few others. And I think the challenge that most marketers struggle with is it's not about you talking to the world about yourself. It's about what the world cares about and your place in the world. So you have to think differently. You have to think about giving voice to the issues that you want to raise, giving voice to heroes other than your own brand. And that's a challenge for a lot of brands, right? It's an opportunity, but it's a challenge where we're all used to making sure that our brand name is out there first and foremost. And you have to think really differently when you do a piece of brand purpose film. You've got to think about giving rise to the issue and then surrounding that film once it's done with the kinds of messaging that's our best for your brand. So that's it's a great opportunity, but a great challenge and one that I think people have a hard time with out of the gate. I know we did. And, and that's a good question because, you know, everyone's read the Ogilvy, David Ogilvy book and where he said the brand has to be the hero. And often in these kind of sponsored entertainment situations, the brand, you know, the audience has to be, the, what the audience is interested in has to be the hero. They won't watch it. What's your advice to marketers who have probably gone to marketing school and learn that the first thing they will have learned is the brand has to be the hero? And I would say that I think the word hero has a different definition today. And I think hero is a brand, a company that stands up and makes an impact in society. And if you start from there, you will give rise to the issue. But what I think where the real marketing opportunity comes in is what do you do with that featured content once it's done? If it's engaging content and you make the best possible content, then you've got all kinds of opportunities. Give you an example. If you look at your films from a stakeholder interest perspective, you have an ability to take this film, take it to different stakeholders, and surround sound it with messages about your brand. For example, 5B, we went to LBTQ festivals around the country, and that gave us a unique opportunity to feature the film, but also get in not only the J&J brand message, but the brand messages from our company of brands, Band-Aid and our HIV meds came together. And it was a unique way to put a social issue out, attach yourself to it, but also elevate the company and its brands. So essentially, they become thought leaders. Exactly. It's a it's the opportunity to play a role and make an impact bigger than what the PL of your business or your brand is. So, so tell us a little bit about the internal external reactions to 5P. So internally, I don't think that people knew what to expect. And, and I will advise every marketer that when you do something like this, there's a certain amount of risk and there's a certain amount of learning as you go. 
And as you enter something like this, know there's risk, know there's learning, be flexible, be agile, adjust as you go. That's the biggest kind of piece I would tell you internally we had to learn. I also think that we only understood a piece of internally what the reaction would be. People at first didn't quite even know what to do with it. They loved the film, but they didn't see the potential. So we had to have a clear platform, a clear plan around how we would take this great film internally and link it again to our stakeholders, link it to our brand purpose, link it to our ESG work, our environmental social governance work, and link it ultimately to what stakeholders really wanted to hear and, and wanted J&J to have a voice in. So how did you do that? Did you do special screenings with nurses and so on? We did. Um, and this brings to the external reaction, right? What we quickly learned was taking a, a brand's film like this and putting it in a more traditional theater setting had some impact. But I don't think it had any of the impact that we really thought it should or could have. What we then realized, again, this was the agile market, right? If you took that film and you took it to the stakeholders that cared the most about it, and you attach J&J to it, you got tremendous intimacy and advocacy from those audiences. You created that emotional connection and you got your brand message out. So in 5B, it was a film about nurses. We took it to nursing conferences, nursing conventions. We worked with our large healthcare systems that are customers of J&J and did special screenings for their nurses and doctors. And that was really successful. Um, so nurses were one. We then eventually worked with nursing education so that now 5B is part of the curriculum at nursing schools around the United States. So big accomplishment there. But we didn't stop with nurses. As I mentioned, the LBGQ community, the festivals, the opportunities there. But we also took it to policymakers around the world who didn't understand HIV and the history of HIV and the learning. And how apropos was that, given that the year after 5B, we faced COVID? So we had policy screenings around the world, demonstrating the impact that frontline healthcare workers can make and the need to help support folks during these types of pandemics. So from a sort of measurement point of view, how did you measure the success of the, the film? Did you, I mean, obviously, you know, did it move the needle in terms of your relationship with nurses? Did it change the image of nurses? Um, how did it change the needle in terms of how people viewed J&J, for example? Yeah, so we have um, a very sophisticated modeling system that we've put in place that's able to look at each of our individual tactics and assess their impact on overall on the company as well as by stakeholder groups. And what we saw now, again, the impact would never be as large as a multi million dollar advertising campaign because your reach isn't that extensive. But what you saw was it moved the needle deeply in terms of stakeholders' perceptions of the company. So if you looked at nurses, you could see a very strong advocacy bump from nurses. We saw it in our major customers. We saw it by segments like the LBTQ population. We've seen the impact in very deeply in segments, probably more than you saw overall impact. But again, overall impact was not, it just wasn't at the mass level of, you know, the advertising campaigns that were running. And we didn't expect to see that kind of impact. 
Wonderful. So, so what kind of um, advice would you give brands who are entering into this space and having gone through the process of making a feature doc- documentary? What would you advise brands who haven't done this, who are new to this? So I would say start with a clear recognition of what you want to achieve. If you don't have your brand purpose clearly identified, featured films and brand films can get you to a place you might not fully understand. Strategically know where you're heading, know where it's grounded. And also recognize that it is one of many tactics that you will use as a marketer to take the brand purpose forward. Use it in the best way, but don't expect it to be the one thing that fixes everything. Right, because you're you're absolutely right. They can build different things around it. You build different things around it. You'll have film. You'll have interactive experiences. You'll have more traditional advertising. You'll have public relations. You'll have everything that will help to move the perception of a brand. And a brand-sponsored film is a huge piece, but it's one piece of a multi-pronged approach. Right. Now, um, obviously, J&J is, is part of Big Pharma, right? Um, and Big Pharma has, you know, let's be honest, it has a slightly mixed rep- reputation at the moment. How do you think Big Pharma should heal their image? I think that films like a 5B that spotlight the heroes on the front line are just so important for any medical company to think about. Because if you step back for a moment and you think about how healthcare works, whether you're big pharma, whether you're medical device, you make a product, but it's who delivers that product, the doctor, the nurse, the technician, the pharmacist. Those are the people that are the heroes. And I think that as big pharma, we have to think about celebrating those on the front line as much as celebrating the research and development that we do. And I think that really does, that's a hero. Right, the hero is R and D, but the hero is really those that get that last mile to that patient. Right, I mean, doctors have that one of the, some of the highest rates of uh, suicide, for example. It'd be Correct. Great to make a documentary about that because obviously they've been on the front line for the last two years, and that could be a very good topic. Well, and I think right now, and I, and I would urge a lot of marketers, particularly in the healthcare space, to think about this. I think that the toll of COVID on the frontline healthcare worker, whether it's a community health worker in sub-Saharan Africa or a nurse in the United States, I think its impact has been enormous. And I think the stories, both of heroism and of just personal struggles, I think there's so much to be told and and so many opportunities to make a difference there. Right. And and then let's just talk about the, the fact that brands probably have to walk the walk if they're going to talk the talk. Obviously, you know, J&J has a lot of, uh, a long history of supporting the nurse community. So it makes complete sense. What advice would you give to, to you know, uh, all brands, really, <laughs> when they do brand purpose? You know, it's not just pharma, it's everyone, really. So, and I think you hit it. Brand purpose doesn't work unless it's authentic and genuine. And marketing is only one way that it comes to life. And I think for today's marketers, you're sitting on such a wonderful opportunity because you've got this opportunity to help bring components of the company together around a purpose, parts of brands together around a purpose. And I think you have to really think about what's authentic, 
what's genuine, and how does it come alive, not just in what you say, but way more importantly in what you do, and what kind of genuine, authentic actions will you take to support your brand purpose? Great. So, so marketing's changed a lot, particularly in the last five years, I would say. I mean, it's really changed drastically in the last five years. And, and you know, the, the, where it's migrated is, is onto social media platforms. Everyone's spending a fortune on marketing on social media platforms on Facebook and Instagram. And part of their marketing is actually to create algorithms that divide people. Um, you know, part of that's how Facebook gets people to stay on the platform. How can we as, as marketers use brand purpose to bring people together instead of divide? And, and what should we do about, you know, marketing on Facebook and Instagram when, you know, they do have practices to divide people? So I think you've hit on something, and that's the power of marketing in general to help or to help the platforms go to a different place versus the platforms driving where the brands are going. And I think when you're in large corporations with lots of buying power, you have a distinctive opportunity. And that opportunity is to make sure that as a brand, you're developing the content for those platforms that brings people together, that raises awareness about issues, that gives people actions they can take to help make a difference. It's interesting. I've watched the platform evolve over many, many years, all all the digital platforms. And I'm always struck by the fact how when there's a natural disaster, the platform has a natural mechanism, which is to bring people together to take positive action. And I think to myself, what if there's a natural disaster every day as a brand? What can you do to make that platform be one where you bring people together and you make them able to take positive action? I mean, they could be creating content that literally has people around the dinner table from very different points of view and talking exactly. about different points of view because everyone, we're all about diversity and inclusion. But if everything's divided, then it becomes very complicated and, and uh, difficult. Do you think? Um, do you think marketers? Do you think uh, you know major brands? I don't know, Coca Cola and Pepsi should come together and say we're competitors. But if you Instagram, Facebook, if you don't mend your ways, we're going to move off your platform because they have they have the power. And do you think media agencies should do the same? Because they, yeah, I really do. I think that. Um... I think that it is still a purchased vehicles. And I think the power to put purpose into action through your media spend, I think P&G's done a terrific job there. And I think that there's just so much opportunity to really help make a difference in society. Again, I don't think that marketers have ever really recognized the difference that they can make in society today. They can make it because marketers know how to change behavior. They know how to deliver messages that people can hear. They know how to bring pieces together that never came together. And frankly, they have purchasing power. Right. And and to your point, I mean, all of them, every brand has diversity and inclusion on their website and every media agency has the same thing. And and, uh, yet they're advertising on platforms that divide people. And that's, you know, that's a challenge. Um, And obviously the solution would be them to work together and, and, uh, and give a financial incentive for <laughs> not to do that. You know, I hope if the pandemic has taught us all something, it's that you need everyone coming together and that people, if you look in the private sector, 
every company will have their quote swim lane that they're going to be strong in. Yeah. But they've got to break down barriers and they've got to come together and make a difference. I mean, look at vaccines, right? Right. Right. It isn't one vaccine or another vaccine. It's probably going to be the power of all those vaccine companies coming together. And they actually work together for a change. You know, they actually got together and they shared resources and factories and all sorts of things. Exactly. I mean, I was so um, it was so wonderful to read over the last couple of weeks the Johnson and Johnson and Merck story where Merck is actually manufacturing Johnson and Johnson's vaccine. Whoever thought things like that could happen. But if you think about it, that's how you'll get the quantity of vaccine to help the rest of the world. And that's how you'll eventually stop this pandemic. And that's a good point. So if these companies got together in the same way they have during the vaccines and actually said we have to encourage diversity and inclusion, not divide us, then that would have a, an incredible change on, on social media, I believe. Because social media is funny, right? I mean, you can stay on it for 24 hours. It's not like a polarized newspaper that you read in 45 minutes or something. Yeah. And, you and you'll do- always find differing points of view. Absolutely. Right. So the ability to really come together and provide balanced, fair, diverse content. And, you know, I I do have a a view as I look at diversity in advertising today. I think that there's two fundamental ways to look at it. You certainly can look at representation, right? And we probably as an industry have for many years, right? Make sure you've got diverse people represented, diverse points of view. But truly, Diversity really happens when you're able to be culturally sensitive and and have the right kind of communication that resonates with the diverse communities that you're trying to reach. And if you think about it, digital media gives you that opportunity to target and segment your population. So if you were to take the ability of the data-driven approach with the sensitivity and emotional connection possible in great advertising, look what you can really do. Absolutely. So, so that's a good question, right? The data, everyone's talking about, you know, data, everyone's data driven now, right? And there's a famous book that's, uh, what is it, Lying with Stats that everyone mm-hmm. reads and <laughs> when they're studying data and statistics. I always feel, and maybe you, know, you feel the same way or differently, that it depends on the question you ask. Well, and I think, yeah, I think that goes back to, again, your strategic place, that if you're grounded in brand purpose, what are those types of attributes that you want your brand to be known for? And then how do you metric those? Then what you're able to do is you'll target the right way to get to those attributes based on the data that you know by your segmentation. But you're using, you're starting from a place of strategy to look at your data metrics versus letting your data drive your strategy. And that's a very fundamental different place to start from. But I think it's one that actually will move society, business, brands to better places where you can be both profitable and perhaps make a difference. And that's a good point. I mean, the the brands should be posing the questions. (laughs) They shouldn't allow um, people who are giving them data information to pose the questions because that can be, they can then do kind of whatever they want, really. (laughs) Right. And you've got to be clear what you stand for and what you want your stakeholders to perceive you as. And then you use your data to target those messaging that's appropriate to your different segments. So so circling back to brand purpose, do you think it's a fad or do you think it's here to stay? What do you think the, the future of brand purpose is at the moment? 
there seems to be a fad that everyone's hiring metaverse execs. Have you heard about this? Yes. And literally everyone is getting a metaverse exec, whatever that is. And so good for the people who've just branded themselves as metaverse execs. But it's a bit like, you know, 10 years ago, people at ad agencies were calling themselves brand architects and they would have these Mm -hmm. incredibly hyphenated names. And that's gone out. Do you think brand purpose is one of these fads or do you think it's here to stay? No, I think it's here to stay. And here's why. I don't think that it will be a marketer's choice. I think that that society will demand businesses and brands to truly exist beyond their own P&L and to make a difference in the world. And I think you'll see that, as we said earlier, by purchasing decisions, by um, ability to use your brand to really have positive perceptions of the bigger companies. What I do believe you will start to see is that individual brands that are part of a parent company, I think you'll start to see parent companies have a much clearer point of view of what they stand for and begin to align their brands to that point of view. Awesome. Well, it's been wonderful, Sarah. Thank you very, very much for your time. And um, thank you again. Have a lovely day. Great. Thank you. And all the best to everyone out there. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com. Next week, we'll be interviewing David Charles Rodriguez, a talented filmmaker, marketer, and director of Gay Chorus Deep South for MTV Films and Airbnb.